Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with Blue Prism. Today on the Generation Digital Workforce, I am very excited to have as my guest, Cody Chenault, a Managing Director at the Global Advisory, Alvarez and Marsal. Cody leads the CFO Services practice at Alvarez and Marsal, and today I will be talking with him about the dawn of a new era, that of digital shared services. Cody, thanks for joining me today. No, my pleasure, Brad, and thank you for for hosting me today and look forward to uh discussing this topic. You bet. So to start, Cody, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career and your current role at Alvarez and Marsal? Sure. Well, I, I joined Alvarez and Marsal uh, over eight years ago now and uh, joined as part of our CFO services and our shared services practice. Uh, as you mentioned, I currently lead our national CFO service practice for AM's corporate performance improvement unit. And as part of that, uh, look to really help our other partners uh, with the solutions that they take to market, with some of the digital technologies that we're looking at, and with other things like organizational design. And uh, even in this COVID period, you know, writing our own teams to advise clients on, you know, how they can adapt and change to the current business environment. Prior to joining AM, I split my time between early in my career running shared services for a great company in American Express. I did that for several years out in Phoenix, really learned a lot about shared services and how to uh, organize, implement, run shared services. I later jumped into consulting uh, with one of the big four and uh, later with IBM. And with IBM, the experience that I picked up that I really enjoyed was um, learning a lot more about the BPO industry. And so I was a solution partner for IBM's uh, BPO service, uh, selling services to destinations uh, globally like India and the Philippines. Uh, in my career, I focused mainly on uh, or mostly on SGNA functions and with that uh, deep emphasis though in finance and shared services. So always looking to help clients improve their operations and to look at um, you know different uh, technologies, look at different uh, ways to deploy their staff. So that's really been my career uh, story and uh, glad to, uh, to share that. Great, thank you. And you were a little bit humble. I, I got to say, there's few people in the market, few advisors that have as much shared services um, experience as you. So let's start with this. How have you seen the shared services concept evolve? No, it's a it's a great question and something that personally I'm proud of because I've seen it evolve uh, with my own career. And even when I mentioned I, I worked for American Express, that was in the early 90s that uh, I was one of the first to pull together uh, work out in Phoenix, Arizona for accounts payable, payroll, and general accounting. You know, shared service is a concept 
really started around 86 with GE being one of the first uh, companies to really try that. And a lot of, a lot of what enabled that was the connectivity that we had uh, even email at the time was, uh, was something that uh, wasn't all that, uh, wasn't all that new. And so things like email enabled a different working model, the different networking. And so even in those early days uh, that, proved to be a way we could centralize work. And although the work was very manual, what I learned even in those times is you could uh, put in some common workflow to make your own internal staffs together. What has changed now uh, from that model to today, fast forward, is just the amount of uh, collaboration across uh, really globally and you know tools uh, that have enabled that include RPA, artificial intelligence, but even even old technologies like OCR and EDI have improved to the point where it's easy for companies to put those types of technologies in place. The other thing that really helped the shared service concept evolve was in the early 2000s, uh, outsourcing became a reality in looking at centers like India, uh, the Philippines, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Eastern Europe, I mean, those destinations really opened the world's eyes as far as talent that could take on this type of work for shared services. So in the early 2000s, we really started to globalize the work, uh, including my old company, American Express, that they had started that journey a little bit earlier, but as a captive. Uh, the thing that changed next was once um, other functional leaders saw the success of the finance uh, organizations were having, they wanted to join that uh, that success. So functions like HR, procurement, uh, IT to some extent uh, really joined and those became multifunctional models called Global Business Services or GBS. And so leading companies uh, looked at shared services of including all of those functions, including other things like legal and, and engineering also became part of that, that model. Okay. What I'm most proud of, I would add, though, is is where I've seen the biggest change lately is how we've been able to automate um, threefold, fourfold from where we were. And so RPA and AI have really are two technologies that have really enabled that, um, along with some of the old standbys like workflow and mm -hmm. and, um, you know, even even a little bit of EDI. If you look at uh, what a what a uh, uh, industry has done with uh, electronically presenting over the web. So that advancement of the enabling technology has really moved the labor force from being, you know, mostly in place manual to now uh, allowing and introducing bots into the workforce. So that introduction to me is, is clearly the latest, but I think it's also the biggest impact that uh, at least I've experienced in my career. Hmm. Okay. What have we uh, learned about shared services during the pandemic, um, including, you know, the work, work from home model? And how, how has that changed the global model that we've grown accustomed to? No, it's a, it's a great question. And, and uh, it probably depends, too, on where your company was at and where you were at on that journey. And so, if you had already started the journey and you had applied some of these digital tools, I think your work from home model was a lot more 
ready and, and enabled versus those that had not really started that journey because they were still very much in a manual work environment. Uh, and then I would say for the, the large shared service center operations or the BPO operations where they had large employee pools in India and Poland, Philippines, when they were forced to work from home, this kind of expedited the entire uh, work from home model, the digital model, uh, and to the point where it has changed that physical model and then it's changed our business continuity planning. And so the business continuity planning used to be that we'd have a, a 20% or so workforce that if you had a, uh, something like a pandemic or a, a natural disaster, that you would still be able to get the cr critical work performed. But <clears throat> this pandemic has really allowed more of 100% of that work to be digitized or 100% of the, the workforce to work from home. And so it's been a huge change. And, but I, in summary, what we've learned is um, this remote workforce uh, has been a savior for the companies that were prepared and for the ones that weren't. They've struggled, but now they have, you know, realized that, uh, you know, they've gotten there by, by providing their employees better access. Uh, but that's, that's a large part of what we've learned is, you know, were, were companies ready? And if so, you know, do I keep this work from home model a lot longer? Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Cody, I know from our perspective, we're hearing a lot of our customers uh, not just talk about business continuity, but they've extended that into wanting to talk about and, and uh, address workforce resiliency. Are you, are you seeing the same thing? We are. I mean, we're certainly starting to see it more and more. And um, I think the resiliency is a, is a, a situation where I mentioned before, where you, you originally might've had 20% to where now we're, we're looking at a hundred percent resiliency on the turn of a dime. And so I, I think that has been, um, a forced function through this this effort, uh, but I think it's also better prepared companies, you know, and certainly this year compared to, I think next year, uh, we'll certainly be be prepared for any natural uh, such disaster situation. But uh, just handling the ups and downs of the volumes as well has been a pretty big issue in how do you handle volumes in down periods, and then how do you ramp those volumes back up. So uh, technology has certainly helped in that regard to make us more mm -hmm. resilient. Right. Uh, but I think the, the employees themselves uh, learning to work in these remote uh, situations has also uh, added to our resiliency. Hmm. Cody, wh where do you expect to see more digitization of activities within shared service centers going forward? Yeah, I think uh, the early cases, you know, companies have gone where the big business cases were, and typically that's going to be in accounts payable, accounts receivable. You know, those are the large volume areas that where you apply, you know, automation, you can achieve 40 to 50% or more automation. And a lot of companies, you know, have seen more than that. Record report or the accounting area, the tax area, I think those are expansion areas that we should expect to see a lot more effort 
now that these digi digital tools have shown their capabilities in areas like AP and AR, I think it's easy enough to script out those other areas in um, in the, uh, uh, I would say, the more complex accounting processes, uh, tax, even credit and collections. Uh, so all of these areas are areas that companies have not necessarily tackled yet, but uh, that's the next expansion. Um, the other thing I'll mention is a lot more cognitive function is coming. I mean, RPAs uh, have proven that uh, the robots are pretty darn smart, uh, but to some extent, uh, you know, the cognitive worker concept, I, I think everyone's going to continue to uh, not take on just the repetitive, but also how do you how do you get beyond that repetitive and actually having the uh, the machines, if you will, uh, you know, make a lot more uh, kind of routine decisions, if you will. So I think that's uh, the area that's still evolving, but the technology is certainly there through uh, RPA, through machine learning, through artificial intelligence, and so increasing that cognitive function is uh, really where we're headed next. Mm, okay. So on the flip side, what shared service activities do you think will remain in the hands of human labor? Yes, it's uh, certainly, I think there's always going to be a need for the finance function to continue to support the business in the analytical uh, arena, the business partnering. I mean, that's been a, I've also, I didn't mention this, but I benchmarked many, many companies and, you know, it's long been a promise that we're going to reduce the transactional work and free up people's time to do the business partnering. And so I think that is always going to be something that's going to remain because we're not really doing a great job of it today, even today, um, because I think the natural human factor is that you are going to kind of revert back to the uh, the routine or the transactional. And so I think even though the machines are getting smarter and smarter, you know, we're many, many years away from removing that analytical and non-scripted decision-making from the finance professionals. Uh, however, I do think we can, you know, do more to automate some of that reporting and that initial analysis uh, via the artificial intelligence and robotics and machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, that's the next evolution for shared services is, now that we've kind of mastered the transactional, how do we get into some of the reporting and the, I'll call it the variance analysis that, that can be handed then to those professionals and uh, then they can take that, that forward. The last point is I, I think there's always going to be some exception-based processes no matter what you do. Um, and so there's always going to be human in the loop in those cases, I believe. Uh, Yes, over time, it'll be less and less, but uh, I think customers will still require some human interaction when you get to call it a second or third tier level of support. And so just from pure customer service, I think you're going to want to keep uh, an aspect of that in your shared service uh, human hands. But those those are some of the, the, at least what I'm seeing is, you know, where you're always going to need some of that human factor, some of that customer service, some of those softer skills to make your shared service, you know, a lot more effective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cody, can you, can you, um, just to kind of help 
visualize all this. Can you can you give us a client example uh, where you've seen the emergence of technologies, you know, drive a change to their operating model, including uh, their shared service uh, component? Uh, absolutely. One of my, my my favorite cases, I guess, would be a, a CPG client that we've helped. And in that case, the client uh, didn't, I mean, they had some of the basics and they had a shared service organization. They had a little bit of workflow. Uh, what they didn't have and what we kind of helped them do is, is develop more of that global shared service model. Uh, introduced a business process partner or BPO partner. Uh, we introduced what we call an engagement layer, which in the engagement layer are technologies that wrap around the ERP. And the reason they wrap around the ERP is because the ERP itself does not have that functionality. And so uh, in this situation, the client had many ERPs and we wanted the the associates to be working on one platform. So the engagement layer was introduced that all of the transactions for AP, AR, GL would flow through this engagement layer uh, so that no matter what the ERP below was, that the associates, the customers, the suppliers would be working on this engagement layer. And then we introduced RPA uh, with Blue Prism uh, and the RPA took care of a lot of the automation that the engagement layers didn't naturally uh, provide. And so a lot of uh, fetching a bill of lading, fetching of documents, uh, matching, you know, those were all automations done with RPA. The last point would be data standardization. And so this was kind of an area that um, is a work in progress, but the more that you can standardize on the data, then the better that your processes um, and the, the more routine you can make the uh, automations. The end result in this case, in many cases, we were able to take what was a 100% manual process to be, in a lot of cases, 80, 85% non-touch uh, by human, meaning that they were either auto-vouched or auto-general uh, ledger uh, or GL, GL created, uh, which was pretty impressive to go from you know, zero to, to 80, 85. So the automation uh, was a big factor in that, um, in driving the, uh, the level of matching, auto matching. And then uh, if you combine the RPA on top of that, you know, from a productivity standpoint, some processes we were seeing over 70% productivity, meaning that I needed 70% less staff overall, you know, for a particular process area. So the technology certainly helped to, to drive all of that. In this case, I would say it wasn't a pilot of RPA. It was, it was a dedicated design, enterprise design to purposely go after order to cash, procure to pay, and record report. Uh, but bringing all these technologies together wrapped around the ERP was really quite magical and drove uh, significant productivity savings for this client. That's a great example. Thank you for sharing that, Cody. So, uh, so what trends do you expect to see in the coming years uh, with regard to outsourcing? The the biggest trend, and and I kind of had gotten on this path a while back about uh, really changing the 
the business process outsourcing terminology even to be more business process partnering. So evolving down this path of, of BPP or business process partner, because the partner part of that terminology, I think is where a partner can come in and help digitize those transactions. You know, labor arbitrage has been around for a long time. And I think those table stakes are known. They're, they're not necessarily exciting, but I think where you can digitize these solutions, the BPO providers uh, in this case can drive much better savings. And then given the pandemic that just is upon us, uh, having their staffs all work in these mega centers I think that concept also, you know, is going to be changing. So less reliance on a human workforce working in the physical space is going to be true of the outsourcing industry as well. But I, I'd really like to, to think that we're going to evolve to this BPP strategy where we're looking for those partners to help to automate, not just do, do the lift and shift or labor arbitrage. Um, all that to say is I think the the outsourcing industry is going to be, or at least is going to need to start selling outcomes. And so we need to contract differently than having human labor be the focus of that contract. We need to look at, uh, you know, how the processes will be intelligently automated and then pricing accordingly. So the commercials will change quite a bit as well in the outsourcing industry if you have a service provider that's a lot more progressive in working with uh, their clients. Mm, very interesting. I, and I love the, I love the expression selling outcomes. Uh, that's really, that's really good. So Cody, I have one last question for you. Can you just help us understand what the shared service center of the future is going to look like? And maybe also talk about what steps you recommend companies take to be prepared. Okay. No, great question. Yeah. And I might break that down into, there's really two different company profiles. I mean, there's for the companies that have already started and they're on this journey, um, chances are they have started, you know, some digital applications, some, some RPA, some AI, some machine learning. And then the other set of companies, they, they are very early in their journey, have not started their journey. I mean, both of them will, end up in a very digitally enabled world. But I would say for the company just starting their digital journey, you know, I would say they almost have a clean sheet of paper. So instead of just assuming that I can, for example, 100% or 90% outsource and get the labor arbitrage, they, they really ought to take a step back and say, let me first define what that overall strategy is and what the digital journey is because that will change your human resource model. And so by defining that journey, I think we can ensure it's a broader journey and not considering just shifting of human labor, but what do we really want those outcomes to be? What do we want our human workforce to do? Where do we want those people to sit? Uh, and then make sure that we incorporate the, uh, the technologies. Uh, for companies already on their journey, and there's several good companies that uh, fit in this category that uh, what they'll need to do is expand into other areas. So where they've focused on uh, 
processes like finance and accounting and procurement, they can expand into the middle office. They can be more operationally, so they can provide a service to help those operations be more efficient and really provide uh, digital as a service. That's That would be exciting to have the shared service team that had already digitized some of the transactional ones to now step forward and help the operations side. What's going to end up is I think it really means we need an enterprise command center. So now we're talking about more than just the SGNA processes. And so now you could run that enterprise command center out of the shared service and that will enable you to apply these digital technologies across the board. So I think for the more mature shared service companies and the ones with the appetite to uh, also continue to be more proficient and take out costs, you know, that's where I see the, uh, the digitization of shared service taking us. Mm-hmm. In either cases, you know, we do end up with a much more digitally enabled service and Unfortunately, you know, it's a little bit less human reliance, but I would say the human human jobs, if you will, should be more fulfilling and that we can finally get to the business partnering that we have been promising our finance associates. Excellent. Well, Cody, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for uh, sharing all your insights uh, on the coming era of digital shared services. It's such an important topic. It affects so many organizations. So thank you uh, for your thoughts and please be safe. Thank you, Brad. Really a pleasure and honor to uh, to do this. And uh, uh, really, I agree with you. This is a important concept for, for all companies, not just shared service, but you know, how do you take it to the next level? So excited to share my thoughts and a little bit of even my journey. So uh, thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.